Hello, I'm Phil Smith and welcome to Eurovision in Isolation. It's our winner's special. The five songs that I've picked out this week are all songs that have been performed by Eurovision champions, but they are not their championship winning songs. These are other songs either before or later on, which they tried to put into Eurovision. But if I don't have winning songs, I do have winning panellists. Because we have The Voice, Minnie Meyer. Hi, Phil. Hi, Minnie. Hold Me Now, it's Dan Irvin. Hello again, Phil. My number one, it's Alex Smith. Oh, you're too kind. And Running Scared, Simon Ruckenbach. Hi, Phil. Did you get the reference there, everyone? Yeah. They were all winning Eurovision songs. Hold Me Now, Johnny Logan, 1987. The Voice, Ima Quinn, 1996. Uh, My Number One, 2005, Helena Pepritsu. Uh, Running Scared, Azerbaijan, 2011. As usual, Phil, you bring the uh, Eurovision knowledge and expertise to the podcast, and the four of us are clearly here to make up the numbers. Hey, every way that I can, 2003, said. <clears throat> I Wanna, Marianne, 2002. Educate you all on this. Come on, everybody. Tanel Padar, Dave Benton and 2XL 2001. So before we uh, get into the show, not to make this too much like uh, Top Gear, but I feel we need a little bit of a news segment because this is the first podcast we've recorded since the Eurovision movie has come out on Netflix. Has anyone seen it? I have, Phil. And what did you make of it, Minnie? Uh, I thought it was terrible, lazy in just about every conceivable way. I know it had the EBU's involvement, so it couldn't necessarily be that irreverent, but it barely attempted comedy, I would say. It, was, it, it had faithful recreations of Eurovision songs, but they weren't nearly as fun or outlandish as a lot of the ones we've covered on this very podcast. Yeah, they, they just weren't. They almost weren't silly enough in places, were they? This Eurovision now, you know, a, a, a group of five Eurovision traditionalists and thoroughbreds. I spotted numerous technical flaws with the film as well. Seven people on stage yeah. at one point, a plug-in piano as if they're playing live. Um, yeah. I think they, uh, they're from Iceland, right? Uh, yes. And, the, you know, it was implied that they were watching Eurovision as an Icelandic entry to Eurovision when they were kids. Iceland weren't even in the show uh, in the year that it was suggested. You know, it was it was oh, filled French. with flaws. And, you know, this podcast is here to 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 educate primarily. You know, we are a critical and educatory educational podcast. Can you can you edit out educatory? Minute? <laughs> Definitely don't edit out educatory. <laughs> the biggest error was that it was hosted in the UK, implying that we won it the year before. But hosted in the UK with strangely pan-European hosts. Mm. Commentated on in the Icelandic broadcast by Graham Norton. It was strange. I wasn't really sure what audience it was catering for because um, it clearly wasn't catering for film lovers because it's a terrible movie but it clearly also wasn't catering for Eurovision fans because it was, as you say, filled with inaccuracies. 
They should have called us because, of course, we know all about struggling to really find what our audience is. You know, is it is it are we aiming at Eurovision experts? Are we aiming aiming at Eurovision lay people, or are we aiming at Alex's family and girlfriend? Hi, Sharon. Hi, Amy. Hi, Jess. So, what did you think of the uh, Eurovision cameos? One thing that Eurovision itself, rather than movie, has is a bit of an issue with uh, race. It's uh, very white, the contest, let's be uh, real. And quite often, um, black acts have struggled, um, maybe unduly. Um, the cameos that they selected was clearly, um, there was clearly some positive discrimination, which I'm all for, uh, by picking out Lorene and John Lundvik and Bilal and... Um, Jesse Matador, but I, I loved the cast of people that they pulled together. Why they had them singing Cher and uh, the Black Eyed Peas, I don't know. Surely you get them singing Eurovision songs. M my bet is whoever the musical director was um, doesn't love Eurovision, didn't really pick out Eurovision songs and just put it in. Um, Minnie, if we were particularly interested in uh, your views on films, is there anywhere we could go? Screengoblin.com Goblin on the screen, screengoblin.com Right, so now we've covered news, we shall go straight on to the show. So, song number one. It comes from the multi-island nation of Greece. This song is from Helena Papritsu, the 2005 winner of Eurovision, which she sang with, uh, she won with My Number One. That's a tongue twister for you. Uh, but this is her 2001 effort whilst in her band Antique, and it is called I Would Die For You. interesting that I've segued straight from uh, Fire Saga and the Netflix movie because this could very much have been a, a basis for Fire Saga with a very talented and, and beautiful female singer with a much older, uglier male singer. Um, I'm not really sure what his purpose is there other than to play the Greek Krina Buska. Um, but Helena sells the song like a prototype Ariana Grande for a sort of soft dance number. It's sort of feel like it's pure shores meets Swedish house mafia. There's a there's a bit of a drumming beat, but it's it's soothing in a way that only the early noughties could. So I shall leave it there and open the floor to Alex Smith. What did you make of this? Uh, it gives me a little bit of Yoki Papai vibes, this. Hey. You know, sort of, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll get it in there early, I think, you know, with it's clearly influenced by the Greek culture. It's a, it's an enjoyable song. I mean, 
I can I know there'll be some dissenting views on this, but a personal preference for me, you know, I I do like that kind of early noughties, um, like you say, kind of chilled out dance number kind of music that was that was you know really really popular and, and big back then. You know, I'm thinking the almost sort of biannual Ministry of Sound, the Classics album. Uh, yeah. it, this wouldn't be out of place um, on on one of those um, compilations. I don't think. It's sort perhaps of daytime bit... by the pool, isn't it? Rather daytime than... by the pool. That's that's bang on. That's that's absolutely perfect. Um, interesting. He mentioned the sort of uh, you know gorgeous young singer and the random sort of uglier older bloke with her. I watched the uh, the 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 video for this number, the official video, and <laughs> he has a he has a completely different role. Uh, you know, whereas this is sort of playing you know a little guitar. And he's sort of contributing something in the official video. His role is purely to sort of stand at the bar and leer at Helena Papritsu, sort of giving her the eyes while she's sort of having fun dancing off elsewhere. So he actually has a quite a quite quite enhanced role in the live performance. Uh, Simon, agree with me and Alex so far? Not really. Um, it's nice that they found a sort of classic Alex Smith role for somebody in the song, standing at the bar leering. Um, but for me. I didn't like this at all. I just don't think there's much entertaining about it. Nothing much happens. I think it's badly affected by their choice to use the sort of stand mics. And so they're, they're sort of standing where they are, waving their arms about a bit. It all looks a bit like the dancing version of Phoebe running in Friends. <laughs> For me, the other thing is she, she doesn't really look like she's enjoying it, does she? She's got that sort of dead behind the eyes look that you only usually get with Smouldering, Simon. You wouldn't know anything about it. <laughs> it. It's not a smouldering. There's nothing. There's nobody in. No, I I agree with Alex. It is a it's a smouldering, a, a come and get me. Look. We've watching the same fucking thing. Oh, Dan, help me out here. Mm, um, I must admit, it took me a while to find Helena's winning entry. Uh, for comparison. See, I think I missed it in the in the rundown of the winners that were supplied in our playlist. Uh, partly because she's under a different name here, Antique, instead of uh, Helena. Um, but also because she looks so different in that 2005 video. Um, yeah. I've got a note here. Stella Mwangi, move aside. We have a new contender for most improved. So, <laughs> um, <laughs> by comparison, the winning 2005 entry, it's a great song. It's shows Helena's singing range while she's at, dancing around the stage in what's clearly what becomes the inspiration for Calamir a, a few years later. Yeah. Uh, but this 2001 attempt, by comparison, it's a nice regional tune, but they've tried poorly tried to mash it into a pop song. Uh, and the performance from Helena is so wooden, I think she might actually float. I mean, I, I completely agree with everything you say about her 2005 performance, my number one. It's it's brilliant. And, and my favourite thing about that is, you know, they time all of the um, novelty parts to perfection. But no, I, I disagree that it's it's a bad mashup of cultures. I, I, I like it. I think it, it's got a sort of soothing daytime in Ibiza vibe. And, and I'm there for that. I'm there for the daytime. I'm not there for the evenings. Uh, Minnie, anything to add? It's funny that we've compared it to Pure Shores, Yoki Papai, Swedish House Mafia. This song has the exact same chord progression as Gemini, the notorious Gemini entry. 
except sung in tune by an attractive person. I'm so glad that we invited someone with a bare minimum of musical knowledge onto this podcast so that we can get, ex- it's only taken till episode 15, but we can get some expert musical analysis of some songs in places. Uh, right, so we shall come on to Do's and Nil Poise. Uh, for those of you new to the podcast, it might be possible, you might start listening now, who knows? Um, for those that are new, uh, we give 12 points to our favourite song and Nil Poise to our least favourite song. It's a great format. Um, so anyone want to give this song their do's poire tonight? Yeah, Phil, I'll, uh, I'll give this my do's poire. Um, look, that early noughties, chilled out Ibiza daytime vibe is, is very much my scene. I still love that kind of music. Uh, I may have also been swayed by the uh, the backless place. We'll never know. It's a great look. And nil poires. Any nil poires in the room? Yeah. The lyric says, I would die for you, and if it happened before the end of the song, that wouldn't be too bad for me. So, no point. Hey, normal, normality is resumed with Simon taking a dissenting view. A wrong dissenting view, but a dissenting view nevertheless. Predictions. We'll still try and play the predictions game. It's a little bit less uh, difficult this week, because some of these made it to Eurovision, some of them didn't, and hopefully that's probably pretty obvious. But the songs that we have this week finished... Third at Eurovision, 10th at Eurovision, second in their national final, fourth in their national final, and a resounding 16th in their national final. So, um, Minnie, where do you think this one came? Uh, I'm going to say 10th at Eurovision. 10th at Eurovision. Right. That was antique. And onwards. Onwards in time as well to 2009 and Melody Festivalen. For all those drinking game enthusiasts out there, we will say Melody Festivalen a few times tonight. We're in 2009 and this is Mons Zemelo, 2015's winner, with his second effort at Melody Festivalen. This is Hope and Glory. over to the only person who looks better in a tux than Mon Zemolo, Alex Smith. Oh my goodness, how do I, how do I follow that? Um, yeah, this is a bread and butter Eurovision entry. Um, Mon's here, uh, dressed as you say, incredibly sharply, um, as if the, uh, the announcer for a boxing match is indeed singing about how much he's willing to fight for his for his lover, he's surrounded by a dozen or so uh, ring style girls, and the stadium uh, the the staging looks as if he's sort of in a boxing ring. You see, because he's fighting for his love. Um, lyrically, it's 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 pretty good, as sort of jumpy, dancey, poppy numbers go. 
we've heard so often during the podcast they're just absolute nonsense absolute rubbish but you know i fought battles all my life and i'll fight for you i mean it's 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 by sophistication standards it's not brilliant but for eurovision that's not bad in my view um i'll, I'll throw straight over uh mini what were your thoughts on this one yeah i agree that he appears to be dressed as the referee and he's got mma backing dancers which i thought was conceptually i guess on brand but a bit odd uh the song sounds to me like a dance remix of viva la vida by coldplay So for that reason, I didn't like it. Simon, can you top that? Uh, no, I don't think I can. Um, but Good, I will damn. talk about this song. <laughs> uh, I, I, I like this song in the sense it's sort of it's a classic Swedish entry, isn't it? You can sort of imagine it doing quite well. But I don't I I don't know what it is, but I don't like I don't like Mans at all. Ooh. I I I think he clearly fucking loves himself and to the point where i wonder if he like if he could i think he'd get like mirrored bed sheets <laughs> um dan um yeah no Pons is clearly a very accomplished performer uh, he was a deserving winner and here he manages to make a pretty shit song actually sound kind of okay um it's fairly repetitive uh, but inoffensive at the same time probably would do middle of the road at eurovision so this was this was Melody Festival in two thousand and nine. Uh, so the eventual winner of that was of course Melina Ernman with Lavoie, which we covered previously. Uh, so Mons missing out to Marcel Visage and um, and RuPaul. So douze points, nil points. Predictions: Where do we think this will have come, Simon? Just thinking about it, I I think this might have come 16th in the national final, not because I think it's bad, but just because I reckon not many national finals have 16 entrants and Melfest might be might be the only one. Um, certainly not the only one, but fair enough. I appreciate the logic. We shall move on to Germany, back to Germany as ever. Uh, and we have Lena, who won Eurovision 2010 with her song Satellite. And she was back in 2011 to defend her crown with Taken by a Stranger. Things are starting to begin. Minnie Meyer, take us through these stranger things. So after her 2010 win with her song Satellite, Lena crashes back down to earth with a low energy number, seemingly based on Andrew Lloyd Webber's Cats, which uh, incidentally revolutionised German musical theatre. 
and helped turn the nation into the third largest musical theatre market after the US and UK. So you can see why they'd want to pay tribute with their catchy song and their cool staging and silver morph suits. It's just a shame Lena sounds like a hungover Alanis Morissette. <laughs> hungover Alanis Morissette. Great. Okay, Dan. Yeah, it's difficult to believe only a year has passed here between Satellite and, and this entry. Um, the smiling and youthful Lena has been re replaced by a glamorous and sexified version of Lena. Um, there's definitely some Amy Winehouse influence, although I'm not sure if that's a good thing. Um, I really liked Satellite at the time and now, and I like this entry too. It's sleek, sexy, mysterious, kind of a bit Bond theme-y, I thought. Not, it wouldn't make a good Bond theme, but it's kind of, kind of nice. Um, but that said, I don't think this has the same mass market Eurovision appeal of Satellite, and it wouldn't shock me if this was a bit of a flop at Eurovision. Alex? I mean, as we all know, uh, Art House Jazz Cafe star numbers do really well at Eurovision, so I can see why they went down this route. Um, I mean, our favourite uh, German producer, Stefan Raab, I, I really fucking hope he didn't touch this because um, this is not his sort of style at all. I know he found Lena and I know he was heavily involved with with a sat with Satellite, a brilliant song and a worthy winner. Uh, but this is just not on the same level. You know, if this song was a snack, it would be a plain Ravita. <laughs> it's very plain. It's very boring. It's unadventurous. It's disappointing. I think it's actually a bit pretentious for Eurovision. I mean... They've just won, so they know what kind of song it takes to win. I mean, I know, I know that sometimes maybe you know, perhaps hosting a little bit like hosting the World Cup or the Olympics, you know, great when you win it, but then all of a sudden it's oh my god, we can't pay for this. How the hell are we going to host this whole thing for a week, two weeks? You know, we, we don't want this back anytime soon. Let's just put some shit up. You know, I, I this is not a winning number. I didn't enjoy it at all. I don't, I don't think this is a, a intentional effort to not win. I should put that out there. I. You know, I think they've they've gone down a different route, but that's from satellite. But that's often quite a good idea. It's very rare that you get two similar songs winning back to back. They usually divert off to a different route. So after Lordy won, you had a ballad win the next year, and and it sort of alternates a little bit like that. So they were right to try something different, even if it was the same artist. Uh, Simon, have I come to you yet? Yeah, no, you haven't. Um, yeah, no. That's basically my my feelings on this song, really. What's like? I don't know why they felt the need to go with these dancers in the background. It just looks like Andrew Lloyd Webber's latest effort, Camel Toe the Musical, um, <laughs> and I just don't think it fits. I don't think it's necessarily a worse song than Satellite, but I do think it's not. It's not very entertaining. Um, and for that reason, I don't think it would have done very well. I agree with that. It's interesting. We've, we've talked quite a lot about the dancers. As many said, they're, they're in these silver morph suits. And I, I just thought the dancers had been running late from a shooting of Hole in the Wall. <laughs> Niche? So is, that, is that Dale Winton Hole in the Wall or um, Anton Dubeck Hole in the Wall? Oh, well, depends if you like the song. If you like the song, it's from Dale Winton. If you didn't like the song, it's from Anton Dubeck. <laughs> Right, do's and nil poise. Uh, mixed feeling in the room, but any any doozers out there? Any nils? 
Yeah, sorry for I was just distracted by watching a YouTube clip of Hole in the Wall. Um, yeah, this is going to get my nil point. Uh, it's far too pretentious for Eurovision for me. Eurovision winners, anyway, mostly. Ignoring Portugal and Salvador Sobral, you know, Eurovision winners and good Eurovision songs are about energy, are about crowd interaction, are about enthusiasm. Uh, this has redeeming features. You know, it is a sultry song, it is a sexy song, I think. Not the, not the forum for it for me. Nilpois. Okay. Um, so predictions then. I'll, I'll open the floor. Simon. Uh, tenth at Eurovision for me. Um, I, I don't think this will have done very well, um, but obviously it qualified. Right. Um, song number four then. And, and this is probably the nichest song that I've included in a countdown yet. I'm I'm convinced that at least half of the YouTube views of this song have been us preparing for this podcast. Um, we first of all flash back to 1997 and the UK's last win at Eurovision. Katrina and the Waves with Love Shine a Light. Flash forward great TV show, by the way, to 2005. And Katrina has re-emerged without the waves, now with the nameless. And she's at Melody Festivalen with her song, As If Tomorrow Will Never Come. As if tomorrow will never come As if tomorrow it will be gone I wish I could make this moment last for As if tomorrow will never come. Dan, make it come sooner. As as we all know, Katrina and the Waves were the last UK winners with Love Shine a Light in 1997. That song, while maybe not aging so well, is a nice gentle ballad that preaches a message that I think resonated across Europe, a Europe not so long removed from the fall of the Iron Curtain and indeed still dealing with war and atrocities in the Balkans. After seven years, Katrina went back to the well. The waves had recently all drowned while shooting their next album cover. But fear not, as Katrina knew a new band of dads from the local school. Her first mistake was giving one of the dads a microphone, completely drowning her out for the vast majority of the song. Her second mistake was then letting them perform one of Jack Black's songs from School of Rock. Her third, final and least forgivable mistake was ever agreeing to do it. Why not just retire after 97 and walking on sunshine and a great career? Katrina, why did you do this? <laughs> was that Dan or Minnie? Dan, you're normally very polite about some, about your entries. Goodness me. Alex, did you have thoughts as your, as your speaker? I did, and they go something like this. I wish I could make this moment last for Did anyone else think this was incredibly meatloafy? Like incredibly yeah. meatloafy? Huge, ridiculously meatloafy. Meat to the point mate. where I had to just double check this is Katrina and the Nameless, not a meatloaf song that I've accidentally skipped to on YouTube. <laughs> I initially thought Children in Need newsreader 
for charity we're doing a single vibe but it's not it's garage band as dan says it's the sort of p english teacher and the and the sort of husband in the garage doing a sort of oh we're going to get the band back together kind of thing um also like dare i say it this is not sophisticated enough for Eurovision. And that's a statement because we've seen some rubbish and we've covered some rubbish on mm. this podcast. But this is this is just amateur. It's really it, not it, very good. It, it really is. It, I don't know quite how it managed to sound so generic a rock song. Like, I, I feel like I've heard it a hundred times before and yet it's total crap. I don't know quite how it manages it um that you've you've all said meatloaf i think that there is a brian adams song uh, there will never be another tonight i mean i would have a copyright claim out if i was brian adams Dan, uh, Dan's already spoken about this one. Stephen, Stephen is <laughs> on the podcast. Stephen, Simon, he doesn't even fucking listen to the podcast. <laughs> Simon, so from the spinning drumstick at the start to the the final dying notes at the end, I fucking love this. I think it's great. Uh, maybe it's because that it's got that like panto vibe, um, but I do think like they're having a good time doing it. I'm really reminded of Meatloaf, and for some reason that meant that I decided I liked it. Okay. Wow. Simon, if nothing else, proving that he really is out of touch with every human being of all eternity. Um, Minnie. Thank you, Simon, for being wrong and restoring some balance to the universe. This is horribly dated and embarrassing, confusing, because... Katrina herself doesn't appear for the first 30 seconds. So I was going, wow, the years really have not been kind. <laughs> Katrina. And then when she did appear, I thought, what's Hillary Clinton doing up there? <laughs> um, so for those that have any interest in the in the wider proceedings, um, this was 2005. So, so Sweden's effort that uh, won that Melody Festival and uh, beating Katrina and representing them at Eurovision was Martin Stenmark with his song Las Vegas. Um, let me tell you, that's not a classic. That is not a classic at all. Um, so really, Katrina. And at this point in time, I should say, Katrina is basically the biggest thing at Eurovision. There's There was no bigger winner, possibly Dana International, but probably not. No one had won by the margin and was held in such high esteem by the Eurovision community as Katrina from the waves. Um, and she came with with this effort. Wow. Interesting thing I did read in, in preparing for the podcast, though. Um, obviously, Katrina and the waves had disbanded at this point. And, and her first thinking was that her new band would be called Katrina and the New Wave, which I thought was quite funny. But uh, the old waves had a copyright issue with that. So they had to go in a different direction. Hence Katrina and the Nameless, which is a pretty terrible name. I've also looked on Spotify to try and find either Katrina and the Nameless or the Nameless. And, and I can't. 
Oh no, they, they haven't released any more music in the garage. It's like the bit in Peep Show where they're like, we're going to call the band various artists to fuck over people with iPods. It could not be more anonymous as a name. I mean, it literally means anonymous. I mean, I think actually there was a Eurovision act, I want to say from Andorra, I'm just going to check this out now, called Anonymous. <laughs> um, so there could be a more anonymous name. Katrina, yeah. in the, the nameless, I, again, you know, interested about, you know, well, what happened to the waves, you know. Um, I, I searched them. There is a Wikipedia page for Katrina and the Nameless, but it's from the Swedish Wikipedia. Mm -hmm. There is no, there's not even an English entry. This being, you know, a band with English law engine. So, Katrina the Nameless, Deltog, Eden, Svenska, Melody Festival in 2005, Med Melodine, As If Tomorrow Will Never Come, Konstateltion, Khalid Sig Forst, for Katrina and the New Wave, Men After Patrick Nigar, Fran Katrina's Gamla band, The Waves, Bitter Dinam. Hopefully that clears it up. Thanks. Right, predictions. <laughs> <laughs> Before we go on to predictions, one thing that I did just want to flag was that this, uh, as you saw at the start, uh, was a song from Thomas Gison. Um, so which do you think is better of his songs? Was it this one or Lorene's Euphoria? tough isn't it really even i have to say euphoria sorry everyone that we're all going to agree with simon's thoughts here um any doozes in the room yes phil i'm gonna give this my dues for i just thought all the rest of the songs weren't that good moment silence for taste and decency everybody uh nilpois i sense a couple yeah, I'd like to give Katrina my nilpois. And also, because we've had the Stella Moangi Award for the most improved for Helena Paparizzo, I'd like to give Katrina also my award for the most unproved. <laughs> um, okay, any other nilpois? Yes, this has to get my nilpois. It's terrible. And I'm ashamed that YouTube now probably thinks that I like this sort of thing. Sorry. I'm so sorry. Um, right, predictions then. Alex? Bottom, so that's that's 16th in the national qualifiers, is it? Yeah. And presumably not just 16th, but retiring into obscurity. And occasional appearances at UK national finals. Mm. Okay, we shall move on to song number five. This comes from 2014 winner Conchita Burst. She won with Rise Like a Phoenix, but her 2012 effort, just two years prior, was That's What I Am. That's what I am. there still with a beard so i go to one of the few men on this earth who can't grow one simon rickenback thanks phil well we've had the best now it's time for the worst that's right it's europe's favorite bearded lady and indeed eurovision wiener 
with an uplifting ballad, that's what I am, she tells us. But hopefully no one's told J.K. Rowling. Sadly, <laughs> it's not uplifting enough to take her to Baku. While she tells us it's her destiny, in this case, it's her destiny to be beaten to the punch by a bafflingly bad hip-hop band whose most famous song is called Waggle Your Ass. I mean, yeah, Shake Your Ass is the song, but I think you're doing it a disservice by uh, calling it in, in English because the Austrian title in which they sang it in was Voki mit dem Popo. <laughs> and I shit you not, the band was called Track Shitters. Track Shitters, Voki mit dem Popo. Um, when when we cover 2012, if we cover 2012, I think we'll have a deep dive on that popple. Okay, Alex, what were your thoughts? M mixed, um, and I suppose with someone like Country Diversed, uh, probably the most famous, certainly of recent times, performer that we've looked at today. Obviously, Katrina and the Waves were very popular, but then we were looking at Katrina and the nomads or whatever the fuck they were called um conchita very much the sort of doyen of eurovision in the 2010s and sort of continues to feature in and around eurovision week uh, when, when we get to that point so i think it's it's okay but we don't see the full range of conchita's singing ability here um you know it's only a couple of years away from her win so a little surprising that she's not that much uh sprung stronger but you know obviously comes into her own um over the course of the next two years and and delivers a um a competition winning performance uh in 2014. yeah i don't put too much blame at this one with uh conchita's performance i think the song i think rise like a phoenix suited her much better i think as a as a drag performer almost with having a disco beat in this it became a bit too draggy by having the sort of full big band's bond theme style rise like a phoenix it it was more bombastic and impactful so i would say the song that's really elevated um mini what were your thoughts uh yeah that's a good point i hadn't really thought of it like that um rises like a phoenix sort of transcending the drag nature of her performance but i liked this thought it was uh empowering song i liked the retro disco feel and i liked her mermaid dress and um better than her appearance in the movie eurovision song contest the story of fire saga i mean her her appearance in that was was fine the re the rest was 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 not but yeah uh, fair point well made um dan Interesting points all around. Um, this one surprised me. I wasn't really a fan of Conchita when she won in 2014. Obviously, very supportive of her and, and the statement she's making in her songs. But I felt that on, in 2014, she got the win alone uh, based on what she was saying rather than necessarily how the song is. I thought the song was quite drab, to be honest. Um, whether you agree or disagree with that, kind of irrelevant because That's What I Am is a fantastic song. Um, it takes the good elements of Rise Like a Phoenix and adds in a rousing, upbeat tempo and simple lyrics that make you want to belt it out along with her. We should say that um, Track Shitters and Vokimit um, Dempupu 
did not get out of the uh, semi-final in 2012. So they may well have taken a risk, uh, may well have been worth taking a risk on Conchita. But um, yes, it was probably to her benefit that she missed out this year. Um, so that she was a, a first time performing artist in 2014. Um, I can imagine that quite a lot of the, the hype around Conchita wouldn't have been quite so high if people had seen the, the bearded drag queen prior. I think we've still got a couple of, of douze pois out there. So does anyone like to give this their douze pois? Yes, Phil, I'd like to put Conchita first and give her my douze pois. Nice. Uh, Dan? Yes, uh, douze pois here. Um, it's a fantastic song, wonderfully empowering. Um, yeah, 12 points. Good. Any nil pois out there? Predictions then. Uh, where do we think Conchita finished in 2012? Uh, Alex? Yeah. 12th, second. Where, where am yeah. I? Second in the national semi final. National final. <laughs> Who cares? Let's go to someone else. Minnie? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think it 12 uh, national semi, 12 national second in the semi national final. <laughs> <laughs> Um, right, let's let's reveal the placings then. Uh, so, sixteenth uh, in the national final was Katrina in the two thousand and five Melody Festival. She didn't make the final. She was sixth place in the Andra Chanson round. Um, next lowest was also Melody Festival in two thousand and nine. came fourth. He did win with the juries but um, didn't place particularly well with the public vote, which Malena Ehrnman stormed. Uh, next was Conchita Verst, came second in the national final, losing out to Vokimit Dempopo, as we mentioned. Uh, Lena came 10th in 2011, meaning Antique came third in 2001. So actually, all your predictions were, were pretty spot on. Um, and most in touch with the public this week. Uh, I'm going to give that to Alex. He did. He was the only one to give 12 points to Antique. So. Uh, um, right. So a good presenter might have a different segue here. But not on this podcast. No. So we're going back to a Eurovision. We're going back back we're going for a classic next week we are going to istanbul and eurovision 2004 so i've picked out five songs there are a couple of familiar faces and there is a song that has a legitimate claim to being one of the worst eurovision songs of all time so i hope you're looking forward to that in the meantime it's au revoir from my four panelists Goodbye. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. And it's a from me. Good night. I'm now watching Alex pick his nose. Yeah. Oh shit. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't realize I was still on screen. Yeah.